0: Thank hey, you, well, George. Appreciate that. That was good. Appreciate the singing of the Lord, those Christmas songs. and You just can't get better than that, can you? If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 1 and look in verse 21. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. I want to say to all here, Merry Christmas to you. We pray that you have a wonderful day and time with your family and that all things will be well. As we stand to our feet in honor of, our, of God's Word, and uh, we appreciate the Lord, we appreciate the story that He brought in Matthew chapter 1. Now I am sure that everybody in here has heard this story, the story about Jesus that was born. And so it's not going to be something new this morning. It's not going to be something that you're going to say, well, I didn't know that. But it is going to be something this morning that may God use to, to motivate us, to move us toward His Son. And all that I desire this morning is for I, my heart would be just closer to God and closer to the, the dear Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Here in chapter, verse, chapter 1, verse 21, it says, She shall bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. Father, I thank you to you in Jesus' name I thank you already this morning for the songs that we've sung and for the prayers that have been offered, for the gifts that have been given. Thank you, Lord, for the time that you've allowed us to come together on this Christmas Eve. I pray you anoint me with your spirit. Pray God should guard my lips and my mind. Pray that Lord Jesus today, God, will be exalted and magnified and lifted up. Lord, I just can't imagine anyone going to hell this morning. I can't imagine, dear God, that hell would be for all of eternity. If there's anyone in here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord, this morning I pray, God, that they'd be born again. That gift that Brother Charles spoke of, Lord, was the gift of eternal life. God, I pray this morning, God, if there's any ever time that the Word of God would pierce the heart of every sinner, it would be this morning. I pray, God, that everyone that knows not God, who's never been born again, God would be convinced this morning and persuaded that they're a sinner and they have a need of a Savior. Oh, God, I pray you'll break in the hardest heart. I pray, God, that you'll break into the weakest heart. I pray, God, that you'd move, dear God, into the ears that are that have been stopped and the, the very heart today, God, that's been hardened. God, I ask you today, God, to open the eyes of the blind. I pray, Father, for every child, every boy, girl, man, and woman, God, that you'd save them today. We beg you. God, we plead with you today. We beseech you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 is probably read all over the country this morning. It's probably been told thousands of hundreds of times. And yet this morning we're not going to bring much anything new, but we'd like to bring something uh, that's inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, which is the Word of God. And then that might be anointed by God this morning, which is His Word. We find in the scripture a most unusual type of birth. I want to preach on the conception to the cross. The conception to the cross. And we find here that it all began right here. The unusualness of this is not that a woman would have a baby and the woman would have a son. That's not the unusual part. The unusual part of this is that this woman, Mary, uh, was a virgin. Uh, that was the unusual part. We found that out in verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Now that's unusual. That has never happened, and it has never happened since. But we also find that the Word of God is that away. That's just how God works, don't He? I mean, there's nothing impossible with God. There's nothing at all that God can't not do. And there's nothing at all this morning that God wouldn't do for your soul. And what God did for your soul was that he became flesh. He became flesh by the virgin birth of Mary. And the Bible says that he was conceived in her as of the Holy Ghost of God. And so we find that God chose a woman who was flesh and he clothed himself with that flesh. At the same time, he was conceived by the Holy Ghost of God being the Father and God being the Father. So now we find a boy... A son that was born, and that son was a man, one hundred percent, and God, one hundred percent. The man, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Now that's unusual this morning. But listen, if you don't do nothing with Jesus this morning, then you've done nothing with the one that makes a difference. If you have not done anything with Jesus this morning, by the way of receiving Him and taking Him as your Lord and Savior this morning. You find yourself out. You find yourself away. You find yourself without eternal life. You find yourself this this evening or this morning, really, uh, you shouldn't receive a gift in the morning. You shouldn't give a gift in the morning. You shouldn't talk about anything about Merry Christmas. You shouldn't have anything to say about Christmas because you have not Christ. You have no warranty to do that. You have no right to do that. You have nothing at all to do anything with Jesus all year long and all of a sudden on Christmas Day you got a smile on your face and you give and get a gift. Something's wrong with that picture, don't you think? Yes, Amen. 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 I'm trying to say to you this, morning, there's no other time left. You're running out of time. Tomorrow is Christmas Day. And tomorrow is what the world and all would celebrate the birth of Christ. And yet Christ does not live in your heart. Yet Christ does not have your life. Yet Christ does not reside in your lifestyle. He has nothing to do with you. You have nothing to do with him. Why would you participate in Christmas? I ask you, why don't you participate in Kwanzaa? Why don't you participate in Ramadan? Why don't you participate in other religions and other holidays? Why don't you do that? Why do you participate in Christmas without Christ? Amen. I know it's hard questions, but I say to you this morning, it may just take something hard in order to get through to some of you. Some of y'all have heard the gospel time in and time out. Some of y'all have been offered the salvation by the Holy Spirit of God time in and time out. Your parents have prayed for you. Your grandparents have prayed for you. Your brothers, your sisters have prayed for you. Uh, There's been prayer meetings at 5 o'clock praying for you. 9 o'clock every Sunday morning praying for you. All in my home and all through my prayers are praying for you. Uh, People all over the place praying for you. Asking God to save your soul, to change your life, to break Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You continue to refuse. You continue to reject. You continue to say no. You continue to go about your away you continue to be rebellious and stubborn you continue to do the things that you want to do and live the life you want to live and then on Christmas so let's learn what Christmas is about then and maybe this morning you can come to know Jesus now wouldn't it be good that somebody be saved this morning Let all that I just said you won't be mad at me anymore if somebody would be get saved this morning you say, Brother Larry, I guess it took all of that in order for somebody to get born again. I don't know what it's going to take. It's going to take the blowing as Brother Charles has already mentioned, that God would blow this morning in this auditorium, that God would blow upon the heart of that lost sinner that's dying and headed for hell. Maybe this morning is your day, the day of salvation. Please consider your soul. I want you to notice this morning, number one, that this the baby that is spoken of in verse 21 It says that thou shalt bring forth a son. That son I want you to notice the baby's features. The baby's features. I was listening to that song this morning as I was coming, as I was going to pick up mom. Uh, That song that says Mary did you know? Did y'all ever heard that song before? I heard Mary did you know And, and boy I tell you it begins to bring some things out that Boy, Mary, did you know that when you kissed the face of Jesus, that you're kissing the face of God? Mary, did you ever know that with his hand he would calm the storm? Mary, did you know that with his words he would raise the dead? Mary, did you know that the very command and the leprosy was cleansed? I'm thinking, wow, what a song to tell about a Savior of a boy that was born and what was his features. Can you imagine what Jesus looked like? Can you just imagine of his features? If somebody said, can you describe Jesus? Can you tell me what he looked like? Can you tell me uh, what, whatever it was about him uh, that everybody would say something as if that's Jesus. You know those pictures that they have of him now? That's not him. Don't think that's him. That little fragile, weakling-looking man who has a scratchly beard on his face and real long hair like a woman. And Fred, that's not my Jesus, I promise you. That's not his picture, amen? And so don't think that it is. Nobody would know what Jesus would look like right now. But I do see some features of the baby. I want you to notice, number one, uh, his father's body. His Father's body. I, I noticed that the Bible says as He was conceived of the Holy Ghost, I noticed that His body, uh, according to Hebrews chapter 1, turn there with me this morning, Hebrews chapter 1, and look there in verse 3, we get to see the baby's features, and the baby's features, His Father's body. He, the Bible says that Jesus in verse 3 is the rays of His glory. It says, who being the brightness of his glory. And so as we look at Jesus, his body, we see his Father's body because what come forth out of his body was the rays. Friend, I would say it's something like this tonight or this morning. If you go outside when it's not raining and the sun is shining and the rays of that sun hit you, you know what you say? You don't say the rays of the sun is hitting me. You say, the sun is hitting me. You know why? Because that's exactly what the brightness of His glory is considered here. And so when Jesus Christ came forth, the body that He had was the feature of His Father. And the feature of His Father was praise, glory, Honor, and it was Jesus that was the rays of that glory. So that when you saw Jesus, you saw the praise of the Father. When you saw Jesus, you saw the glory of the Father. When you saw Jesus, you saw, friend, the very worship. Of the Father, because He's the rays of His glory. Number two, it said that Jesus is the representation of His person in verse three, the express image of His person. That word, the word express image, it means the exact copy, it means the very exact stamp or mark. So Jesus was the representation of the Father. That was his body. And when you looked upon Jesus, you'll see the very stamp of the Father, the exact presentation of the Father. It was him, friend. And so I say to you, dear dear Lord, help us this morning to see that that baby that was born in Bethlehem, that baby that the Son was given, that it was Jesus Christ, but being Jesus Christ, he was the express image. Image of God the Father. I mean, he was not. Maybe he was not some. He had maybe fifty percent of his features. Maybe he's a little bit of his person. He was a hundred percent. The express image means exact copy, the exact mark, the exact stamp. Jesus Christ as a baby, the features of His Father was His body. I want you to notice the next thing. I notice in verse 3 is Jesus was not only the rays of His glory and the representation of His person but He was the reservoir of His power. The Bible says about uh, upholding all things by the word of his power. When you looked upon Jesus, he took on the features of his father. And that feature was of power, of authority, of charge, of rule, of reign. It was his control. It was him that was upholding the world. It was him that put the earth on a 23 degree axis. It was him that put the stars in the air. It's him that keeps the galaxies and all. All the universe in order it is him that brings the gravity it is him that brings the rain and the storm it's him amen that brings forth the summer winter and the fall and then we find this morning it is him that upholds an all power of all life of all universe Jesus is I say to you the reservoir of his power so when that baby was born he had his father's features he was the rays of His glory, the representation of His person and the reservoir of His power. Can I say number two this morning? Now, I noticed that Jesus in this Matthew chapter 1 in verse 21 was His father's features, or the baby's features was His father. But I noticed the baby's fame. The baby's fame. Look back in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. He says, And thou shalt call his name Jesus. (coughs) Shall call his name Jesus. I began to think about, well, how can I present this point? How can I say that they call his name Jesus in all capital letters there? And so it has to represent something greater than just a man named Jesus. I began to think about even the word and what it meant. It means the Jehovah is salvation. And so we find that they call him Jesus. But it says they call him. Thou shalt call him Jesus. Who's thou? Thou shalt call his name Jesus. So I began to think I I understand that heaven, uh, they would call him Jesus because heaven knows that he is Jehovah his salvation. I would know that the angels would know that. I, I would know that even the demons know that. Even hell knows that. Uh, I would say that even, uh, friend, that you would find those that were scholars and those that were scribes and those that were maybe Pharisees and Sadducees and would say, okay, they, they called him Jesus. Oh, but what does it really matter when you call Jesus, Jesus. I found I began to find about this fame and about the fame that Jesus was coming forth, why they would call him Jesus. And so I began to search throughout the scripture. I hope you stay with me this morning. And look in Matthew chapter 4 with me, uh, if you don't mind. Look in verse 23 as we look as Jesus begins his ministry. Talking about this baby and the baby's fame. We find in chapter 4, in verse 23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame, oh, there's the word fame. His fame went throughout the all of Syria and they brought unto him the all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and tormented. Those were with possessed with devils and those that were lunatic and those that had palsy and he healed them. We find in these scriptures here that Jesus was teaching, amen. What brought forth his fame was his teaching. What brought forth his his fame was his preaching and what brought forth his fame was his healing and what brought forth his fame was his working, the working of the signs and wonders and miracles. We find this morning uh, as another given to us in chapter 7 if you turn there with me and look in verse 28. I notice his teaching as, they, as he was teaching, the Bible says, and it came to pass in verse 28, chapter 7, it came to pass that when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, and he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I'm talking about this baby's fame. And so it kind of went like this. Here they are, they come into a synagogue, and Jesus is in the synagogue. They don't know much about him. All of a sudden, he begins to teach them. He begins to give them the truth. As they're listening to the truth, they began to notice not only the truth that was given to them, but the one that was given the truth. They began to understand and know, man, who is this guy? I mean, who is this one that come into our town and come into our synagogues and and he begins to teach and he begins to tell us things that we haven't heard before and things that we had no idea of and, and yet they come to a place and said, you know what? Uh, We know that when he teaches and when he has taught, he taught with authority, not as the scribes. And so it went just like that. We never heard this before. We never heard like this before either. You know what? They said this, and they shall call his name Jesus. Right? So when you was in that synagogue and when you heard Jesus teach and you walked out of there, somebody said, Who taught today? They call his name Jesus. Amen. That's all I know. They call his name Jesus. Well, let's look at another one, talking about his fame. I've noticed there in the chapter 8 of Matthew. Look at verse 1. And when he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there was a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou will, canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy cleaned him. Well, it went something like this. He says, I was there and Jesus come by. And when Jesus come by, I had leprosy. And boy, when he came by, I said, man, can you make me clean? And Jesus said, yeah, I'll make you clean. And next thing you know, man, according, according to the story of this man who had this leprosy, he said, next thing I know, he touched me. And when he touched me, the leprosy was cleansed. And so he's telling the story. Who was that? I don't know. i tell you what they do. Uh, they shall call his name Jesus. <laughs> All I know. All I know, I had leprosy. And now I'm cleansed. And they call his name Jesus. Listen, they get another one. Y'all still not convinced? Oh, listen. Chapter 8, verse 5. The Bible says. And when Jesus was entered to Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented, and Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak thou word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, to another, Come, and he cometh, to my servant to do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, not in Israel. I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The children of the kingdom shall cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so it shall be done unto thee. His servant was healed the selfsame hour. Here's how it went. The centurion was coming. His heart was broken. He had a servant that needed to be healed. He come to Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus, will you come and will you, will you heal my servant. Jesus said, I'll be right there and I'll heal him. He said, oh no, oh no, you can't come to my house. He said, "Uh, just say it. And Jesus said, okay. He said, I've never seen such great faith. And he said, go your way. And when you went your way, the Bible says that the servant was healed. They asked the satirian, satirian, what happened? All I know, our servant was sick. Jesus, this spoken word, he just said, be healed. I get home, that sermon is healed. What do they say about it? They just say, they just call his name Jesus. That's all I know. They just call his name Jesus. Let me give you another one. As this baby's fame was working on, I noticed tonight or this morning, look there in in chapter 8 in verse 23. The Bible says, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, and he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? Are you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and sea, and there was a great calm. I want you to notice, here's how it went. They were on a ship ride. Jesus was down asleep. The winds come, come strong. They come running to Jesus. Side. We need some help. He called him Lord. We need some help. He said, man, what's wrong with your faith? Why do you have such little faith? Why are you so fearful? Next thing you know, he took the call, he calmed the seas and he calmed the water. He calmed the wind. You say, Well, man, how did all that happen? I don't know. They shall call his name Jesus. You see in the pattern? You see in the pattern of Jesus so far on his fame? Chapter 8, verse 28, verse 23. Here's how it went. There was some thematic. There were some people full of the devil living in tombs. Two of them, matter of fact. The devils were speaking out. The devil said to him, he said, Boy, cast us out into these swine. Next thing you know, he said, go. Can you imagine there in the tombs as you're watching? And you'd say, boy, them two people there, them two guys, they were nuts. I mean, they took, they took all kinds of metals and rocks and scraped themselves all the time. They were naked running through the tombs. They were talking this, talking that. They'd run from the mountains. they run down to the tombs. They were untamed. Nobody could tame them. And here comes this guy. And this guy comes in, and here's these devils talking to this guy. And this guy said, listen, uh, you want to go into the swine and go down into the water? Sure enough, go into the swine. And next thing you know, he cast these, de- he cast these demons into these swines. Well, what else you know? All I know is they shall call his name Jesus. That's all I know. We find the fame of this baby. We find another story that was told. Look at chapter 9 and verse 1. It went went like this. There was one that was lying in a a bed, could not walk. Jesus said unto them, thy sins be forgiven thee. He said to them, he said, would it be easier for me to do that or to say arise and walk?" walk? Next thing you know, he says to the one who couldn't walk, get up, arise and go home. They say, what is going on here? I tell you what's going on. Here's this one couldn't walk in into bed, and this man said, Just arise and walk and go home, forgave him of his sins. What do they say about it? They said this They shall call his name Jesus. Amen. They say in chapter 9, and look there in verse 18 and verse 19. Here's how it went A ruler came and asked and said, Would you lay hands on my daughter? He came and said, She's not dead, she's alive. Oh, they laughed him out of the room. But he raised her from the dead. They were there and they said, What happened? Well, my daughter was dead. Here comes him. He comes in there and we laughed at him. He said that she was not dead, she was just living. Next thing you know, he said, Arise. And she arose. Well, they say, They shall call his name Jesus. I got another one. Look at chapter 9 and verse 20. Here was a woman. She was just a walking. The Bible says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood... Twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. She said within herself, if I may touch his garment, I shall be whole. Jesus turned about when she saw her. He said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. The woman was made whole from that very hour. Here's how it went. For twelve years she spent all she had. She went to every doctor. She went to every person. She took every pill. She took every medicine. She took over-the-counter. She took uh, things, that, friend, that everybody and anyone was taking. Twelve years, blood poured out of her body. All of a sudden, she said within herself, I can just touch his garment. I know he can heal me. He, she touched his garment. Virtue came out of her, him. And Jesus turned and said, thou shalt be healed. So what do you say about that? Well, they just said that his name shall be called Jesus. Jesus. You see, I'm getting old with that, Brother Larry. That's a problem. You should be getting excited. Not old. You see, you're boring me with these stories. That's a problem. We notice here in chapter 9, in verse 27, the Bible says, and when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, The son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come unto the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. He touched their eyes, and according to their faith be unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knoweth, and here's how it went. A man with blind, two men came blind, saying, Have mercy on us. Jesus touched their eyes. And their eyes were open. They said, what do you say about that? Thou shalt call his name Jesus. We find in chapter 9, look at verse 32 and verse 33. The Bible says, And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. When the devil was cast out, the dumb man spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen so in Israel. The Bible has said, and here's how it went. The dumb man came to him. The devil was cast out. They said it was never like this ever in Israel. And man could speak. What? What did they say about that? They call his name Jesus. Now that's the fame of this baby. And so that's one today that we can look to and say, if you look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 24 with me uh, here quickly, and we'll, we'll continue on and finish this up. The Bible says, and his fame went throughout all Syria. Look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 26. We find in the fame hereof went abroad to all the land. Chapter 9, verse 31. And they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. We finalize this in verse 35 of chapter 9. And Jesus went all about the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Uh, You say, well, what's all about that? Listen, that's the baby that was born. I mean, there was nothing that this baby was fronted with that he did not handle. There's nothing about this baby that when he grew up to handle uh, that he said, I could not do it. It was every single facet of life of that day. It was every single disease of that day. It was anything and everything that all the people of that day in that area would have today, just like you, dear friend. You can't bring a problem to Jesus that he can't solve. You can't bring a disease to Jesus he can't heal. You cannot bring a disturbance to Jesus that he cannot fix. He cannot bring at all a trouble or a burden in your heart that he cannot lift. That's the baby Jesus this morning. Oh, the baby's fame. They shall call his name Jesus. The baby's features. And lastly here I want you to notice the baby's fate. We see in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. He shall save his people from their sins. Now it don't make no sense with me this morning to know that why anybody in this room would not repent of your sins and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. What has Jesus ever done to anyone for you to reject Him? We just found out about His fame. He helped everyone. You have not met a kinder and a sweeter and a gentler God than Jesus. You have not ever met anyone who loved them more than anybody. He didn't judge them. He didn't condemn them when they came that were blind, when they came that were, that were full of the devil, when, they, when he said, hey, heal the centurion servant or heal my daughter. He didn't say, listen, let me take, tell me about their lives. Are they righteous lives or they not? Do they go to the synagogue? Uh, do they worship God? He didn't ask none of those questions. They came with a problem. He did it. He took care of it. And friend, I don't understand anybody in this room that will walk out of here in just a moment and not have Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why? What is it that Jesus is so opposing to you? What is it that Jesus has done that you keep on rejecting? What is it that Jesus hasn't done that you're not accepting? What is it that he's offering you this morning, that he's trying to bring to you this morning so he can better your life? He can enrich your life. That he can cause your life to have benefit and have purpose. What is it this morning that you don't want Jesus Christ to be the ruler and the reigner of your heart and your life? Why do you constantly have Satan do that? Why do you constantly have your flesh do that? Why do you cause have the world do that? Why don't you choose Jesus this morning? Amen. Oh, his fame is a wonderful fame. Why do you keep on sitting on aside? side? Oh, his father's features is God. Why do you keep on turning from God? You say, I believe in God, but I just don't believe in Jesus. Uh, Fred, you don't believe in God because Jesus is God. See, <laughs> so you got a problem there. You can't believe in God without Jesus. Jesus said you can't come unto the Father but by me. Can I say to you very quickly, very plainly this morning, uh, that the baby's fate uh, is to save his people. Look there in verse verse 21. He shall save his people. That's his fate. Now, why wouldn't you this morning just love a man like that? Why wouldn't you just submit, Brother Keith, to a man like that who came to save his people? Why? Why? I mean, you should fall all over yourself. You should fall down on your face this morning. You should fall out on the ground prostrate. You should fall out, friend, in a way of humility and submission unto the man who said, I come to save his people. Ain't nobody else coming your way. Nobody's ever been in your way. And nobody else, friend, today is ever going to save you from your sin. We find that Jesus... In his fate, he says to save his people. That means to deliver his people, to protect his people, to heal his people, to preserve his people. To me, that sounds like a hero, don't it to you? If we could think in human terms, if here I am, I'm lost and headed for hell. Here I am, friend, in real trouble, in real problem, and something's got to change because I can't change myself. And here's come one who says this. He says he came to save his people. That's a hero. That's a warrior. That's a champion. Is that so? Listen, I tell you this morning, uh, a, a story happened. It happened on uh, Tuesday. Y'all remember that fella, Adrian? I asked God to pray for. Her. Well, he he was. Uh, I, I gave I gave him a few things and talked to him and. And uh, went to lunch with another guy named Angel. And uh, I told you the story there at that lunch. And, and uh, when we got there, Adrian and Angel was there. Both of those are unsaved men. And so I said, can I pray before we eat? And uh, they said, yeah, sure. And so I prayed. Then you know what? When you get to pray before unsaved men and you're praying for the food, you pray for a whole lot of other things too, Brother Charlie. Yeah. The last thing I got to was the food. Anyway, we got through that. So he got done. He said to me, oh, angel, he said, man, are you a Catholic or a Christian? I said, I'm a Christian, but I appreciate you knowing the difference. There ain't a Catholic on the world that's a Christian. Friend, if you're a Christian, you ain't going to be a Catholic. Anyway, so he laughed about that. And he said, well, let me tell you a story. He said, man, I got an accident and he said, I couldn't do much at all. He's had a friend come by my house that I hadn't seen in five years. He come to me. He said, listen, I ain't talked to you in a long time. I heard you got an accident. Just want to come by and see how you're doing. He said, but I was going to tell you real quickly. He said, I'm a Christian now. He said, my life's never been so happy and full of joy. He said, I, I, I would ask you that you become a Christian. And his name was Angel. And Angel said, I don't know what that means. He said, just start reading the Bible. So it started in Genesis. And when I, talked, when I had that lunch, he was in Exodus. He's never read a Bible. He don't know anything about it. He hasn't read through Genesis. to come to Exodus. He did say this to me. He said, man, he said, I didn't know the Bible had two arcs. He talked about the Ark of Noah and the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> and so he said, man, I don't know nothing about the Bible. He's read, he don't have a Bible. He's reading it in, on his phone. I said, what version are you listening to or are you looking at? Version, what are you talking about? He didn't know anything about a version. I said, I'm going to get you a Bible, Okay. So the next day I brought him a Bible. At the same time Adrian's sitting right there listening to all this. And I, I said let me tell you how to be saved and I told him how to be saved. Adrian's listening to all this. That angel fellow went to church at Parker Baptist Church the last two Sundays. I'm sure he's here this morning. He sends me a text every week. He says thank you bro. thank you, Larry. Thank you for giving me a Bible. Thank you for telling me about the church. Now God's doing something in my life. God's helping me. But oh Adrian. Adrian. So Adrian comes in on Monday. He says to me, he says, uh, I see him, he's a little agitated. I said, what's you agitated? Now, let me tell you about Adrian first. Adrian, he grew up, his daddy went to prison for many many years. He just got out. His daddy was part of the cartel. They was up in Brownsville and and up in that Harlingen area. So when he was 12 years old, uh, he got into the cartel work. And so he used to take these bags of sacks, these sacks, you know how you jump in, what are they called? Uh, there you go. And they would, put, they would have marijuana in them bags. And he'd tell him, he said, listen, all I need you to do is take it from here, go up the hill, other side of the hill, and drop it by the street. And you come back, I'll give you $1,000. 12 years old. And he said, hey, I do that all day long. And so he'd do that. Boy, he made a lot of money. This the last time he did something. He said, listen, he said, I want you to go to car wash. And he said, in that van, he said, it was going to be, nothing's going to be in it. Matter of fact, there ain't going to be a seat in it. You're going to have to stand up and drive it. You've got to, to figure it out. He said, but when you get to the street, I want you to drive down to the river. He said, but when you get on the street, turn it off. Turn the lights off. Turn everything off. And be quiet. He said, you just pick up a little steam and just kind of roll down there by the river. Be quiet. He said, you get out of there, come back to the the car wash, I'll meet you there. I'll give you $10,000. He did it. But the cops were on his trail. His mom said, we've got to send you to Houston. Sends him to Houston. He comes down to Houston. He starts working at Southern Tire Mart. Worked there for 17 years. He'd come to Beasley Tire here about six months ago. I started talking to him about Jesus Christ in my truck. When you get in my truck, it's my truck. I'm driving, and you're, and you're captive. You're You're a prisoner. we talk about Jesus you can't do nothing about it so I'm talking about Jesus and talking about Jesus so he's telling me some man he said something's happening in me something's changing in me I don't know he's never read the Bible he's never prayed he'd never been to church he don't know nothing about anything he said something's going on around me and so what happens is he's sitting here I'm sitting here and Jake's sitting on the other side he's sitting between two preachers me and Jake's talking about the Lord all the time. He's right in the midst of it. We talk out loud so everybody in the office can hear it. Just hoping somebody complains. But anyway, we we uh, we got that going on, so he comes in agitated on Monday. I can tell he's agitated. I said, What's wrong with you, man? He said, You don't know. He said, You don't know the pressure I'm under. He said, I got a wife. And, like I don't have a wife. <laughs> I got a wife. Hey, man, all the demands she wants and all the things she wants and, you know, all this going on there. And then I got children and all the children I got and all the problems that they have. And then I got a mortgage and then I got insurance going up and then I got my electricity going up and I got my water going up and I got all kinds of other things from other people, the pressure that something's going on inside of me. He said, I don't know what to do and I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm just tired of it. So what I did was, I said, hold on, time out. I said, you act like you got something going on nobody else got going on. <laughs> I said, you ain't got nothing going on nobody else got going on. I said, I got a wife. I said, I got children. I said, my car insurance went up and I got a mortgage. You know what? I got a church and all them people got problems too. I said, I got, I got everything you got plus. I said, you know what? It's not a man that has the problems. It's a man that knows how to deal with the problems. He looks at me like, I'll kill you, man.
1: <laughs>
0: I said, go ahead. Go on. He said, I'll tell you what I did. He said, I went, told my wife. I said, listen, wife. He said, I'm about had it. I'm about to blow my stack. I got all kinds of things coming on me. I got something in- inside of me. I don't know what's happening with everything. He said, but I'm going to get me an Uber, and I gonna go on down into the town to a beer joint. So what's the wife going to say? No. She said, all right, whatever. No, go ahead. He takes off. He goes to the joint. He gets drunker and skunk. Two o'clock, he comes rolling in the house, in the Uber, falls out on the bed. So he already promises. Why? Because I've been, I've been pressuring him. I said, you need it before the end of the year. You better send me a picture that you went to church. I said, I want a picture. The other day, he sent me a picture of him with the Bible open. I, told him, I said, I want a picture of you looking at that. But I told him, read Ephesians chapter 2. We ain't playing no games. And so, uh, anyway, so... He said, I got up that morning. My wife said, okay, you promised me you're going to go to church. she have been trying to get him to go to church for 17 years, Brother Cat. Wow. 17 years. And so uh, he, said, he said, I ain't going today. I got a hangover, man. And I'm telling you. I said, you know what? You're a weak man. And he's about six. He's about this tall. Cartel. He's one of those tough guys. He's a Spanish guy. And so he's got that macho kind of thought about him. Mr. Macho. He walks... I said you know what you are you're the weakest man I know he said what do you mean a weakest man I ain't no weak man I said yeah you are I said you're the weakest man I know what are you talking about I said okay I'll tell you what I'm talking about I said, so you go out there and you spend about four hundred dollars last night, drinking all, drinking all your nonsense because you got problems, you got troubles. I said, when you woke up Sunday morning, you got more problems because you had a hangover, and then when you wake up, you got the same problems you left on Saturday when you took over four hundred dollars to get rid of them for just an hour or two or three hours, four hours, and now you're sick. You're not only just the weakest, you're the dumbest. He said, man, I can't believe you're talking to me like this. I said, let me tell you something else, macho. I said, what if your wife comes in there and says, you know what? I'm just tired of all this. I got all this on my head. I'm telling you, I'm not going to feel any pressures. I'm going to give me an Uber, and I'm going to go to town. What would you say then? No, no I ain't no way. Not my wife. She ain't going to go out on town. And She'd come back at 2 o'clock in the morning. What would you do? I wouldn't let that. I hey, you know what, man? Let me tell you something. You're the sorriest man. Because... Here you go. You think that you're the king of all. You think you can tell everybody what to do. You think you can do something and nobody else can do it. Who do you think you are telling telling your wife that she can't do what you did? You're supposed to be the leader of the home and you're leading her. Oh yeah, but you know what? You say no to her, but you can do it. What makes you special? I said, I'll tell you something else. Your children, your sons, that are growing up—they're in the twenties, and so they do what daddy does. And he's in a hospital, or maybe he's down there uh, in jail because he did what you did. And next thing, you come to him and say, "Son, well, don't you think? Don't you think? Why are you drinking? Why are you doing all those kind of things?" And son, don't get your head on your shoulders. And he looks at you and he said, "Daddy, that's what you taught me. Yeah. Stupid man, weak man." He said. <laughs> he said, "Man," he said. You're right. You're right. And when he said, you're right, I knew I had him. When I say I had him, I knew his spirit was broken. Because I was laying some things out, man, he's never heard before. He said, you know what? You're right. I said, Adrian, when are you going to get saved? Adrian, when are you going to give your life to God? Adrian, when are you going to keep, keep stop fighting to God? Adrian. Bob Beasley, who owns this company, is praying for you. Mike Beasley, who is a vice president, is praying for you. Brad is praying for you. Anthony's praying for you. I'm praying for you. Jake's praying for you. Eight men of this business is praying for you. The first day you step into Beasley, all of us started praying that you'd get saved. Now, you know who you're fighting, Adrian? You're fighting God. When are you going to give up on God? When are you going to give it up? And oh, he said, uh, I am. i tell you, Larry, I'm going to get saved. When are you going to get saved, Adrian? He said, I'm going to get saved. I'm almost there. Next day, I, I left. Next day, I came in. I said, come and talk to me. So we go to the office. I said, Adrian, are you saved? He said, man, I'll... No. I said, let me tell you salvation. I'll give you two examples. First one is this. You're in a house, Adrian. And your house is burning down. You can't get out of the house. It's not going to stop burning. And you can't do nothing about it. And you're sitting there, and it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, and you're fixing to die in this burning house. The only hope you have is you do like this, Adrian. Help! Help! Somebody help me! Somebody help me! I want to die! In this fire, boy, his face got white. He said, you're talking about me going to hell? I said, I'm talking about you dying in a house that's got fire. And the only way you're going to get any help is you call out. You cry out. And you cry out with all you have within you. And this is what salvation is, Adrian. Adrian is is when you know you're a sinner and you're going to die and go to hell. And one day, some day, somehow, something just happens. You snap. You say, "I got to cry out to God," and you begin to cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ, because He's the one who came to save His people. And you begin to cry out to Him, and He'll save you. Actually, let me tell you another example of what salvation is. It's like a marriage. I said, Adrian, hey, you remember when we met your wife and you, or you met your girlfriend who's now your wife and y'all met each other and, and everybody was beautiful and everybody was handsome and, and y'all went to eat and y'all did this, y'all did that and y'all spent some time together and y'all got to know each other pretty well and, and y'all were getting like more than just friends. And uh, finally one day in your heart you said, you know, i like to marry this woman and she said in her heart I'd like for this to marry this man. And I said, y'all just going right along. Uh, but, you know, it just it just wasn't like it ought to be, because you just wasn't married. And the reason why you wasn't married, Adrian, because you never came to a point and said, will you marry me? Right? I mean, getting married, you just don't evolve in it, right? You just don't keep on dating one another, and all of a sudden you wake up and you're married. It don't happen like that. You got to ask, will you marry me? And then she has to respond like with a yes, I said, that's that's what salvation is. Jesus is saying to you, Adrian, right now, will you marry me? And you have to respond with, I will. See, unless he asks you, Adrian, you can't ever be married. Now, he's asking you, what will you say? But he said this. He said, I won't be saved. He said, I see it. I got it. He said, but I tell you what, I've never prayed in my entire life. I said, and I'm never going to pray for you in my entire life. I said, so you're going to have to pray to God. He said, I can't pray in English, though. I can just pray in Spanish. I said, I don't care if you pray in Russian or Chinese, Pig Latin. It don't matter to me. Just ask God. I said, there's a few things you need to put in your prayer. He said, what are they? I said, you need to admit to God you're a sinner. Number two, you've got to admit that you can't save yourself. And number three, you got to admit that Jesus Christ is Lord and He's Savior. And number four, you got to turn from your wicked ways and you ask Jesus to save you from your sins and then receive Christ as Lord and His Savior. If you do that, you'll be born again. He bowed his head, Brother Cat. He said something because it was in Spanish. And he got done praying. I looked at him and said, Are you born again? He said, I'm born again. I took him out in John chapter 10, which you read today. John chapter 10. Let me tell you something. This is what happened. I told him how Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Then he says, I will give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish and no man shall pluck them out of my hand. And I took a a cap that was sitting on a table end of a cap like this right here, just like this. I said, Adrian, this is you. I said, this is Jesus. I said, I know you're a big fella, but right now I promise you when I do like this that you can't get that cap out of my hand. Ain't nobody in this room can do that. I said, he said, uh, Well, you may. I said, try it. I ain't going to try it. I said, you can't. I'm going to promise you. I said, this is how it is for your salvation now. I said, you're in the hands of Jesus. And we're all in the hands of the Father and no man shall pluck him out of my Father's hand for he's Greater than all. Amen. He said, man, I never had this before. I said, I said, secondly, I said, now listen, you know what you are feeling right now? I said, when you had four children, and those four children, when they, when they came out, they were crying. What were they crying for? Crying for milk, he said. I said, you know what the Bible is? The Bible is called the milk of the word. I said, the Bible says that you're a babe in Christ now, and you'll desire the sincere milk of the word. I said, in your heart right now, if you're saved, you're saying, give me more. I want the milk. You're saying, I want to know more about this Jesus. You're saying, I'll be doing whatever Jesus wants me to do because I done gave him my life and my Lord. He's my Savior now. I said, that's what should be going on in your heart. Is that what's going on in your heart, Adrian? He said, yeah. Amen. And so he's supposed to be going to church this morning. You know what Jesus came and he was born to do? To save his people. To save his people. If you walk out here unsaved this morning, it's because you haven't cried out. And it's not because you said, I will, when Jesus has called on you to marry him. I'd pray this morning you'd do that. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, and our eyes are closed. Would you this, this, this morning receive his virgin birth? Would you receive his sinless life? Would you receive his name? Would you receive his death? Would you receive his resurrection? Would you receive his ascension? Would you receive that he's alive? And would you receive him sitting on the throne? And would you receive of his return? You reject him, there's no Christmas for you. If you receive him... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You sing, Brother George. You come, those who are without Christ. This could be your last opportunity. This could be your last Christmas. This could be your last day. You could be breathing your last breath. This could be the last time you open your eyes. Would you come? The baby's features, the baby's fame, the baby's fate was to die and to forgive you of your sins. Come, come, come. Christians are praying. Mom and daddies are praying. Pray, pray, pray. God save God save God save please why you heard of his fame you heard of his features he's God you heard of his fate to save his people from their sins won't you come On the eve of his birthday, my, what a day that would be.
1: Yes, Lord,
0: blessed be your name. Hallowed be thy name. Yes, Lord, hallowed be thy name. Worthy, worthy. From conception to the cross so that my sins can be forgiven and I can be saved. Let's be dismissed this morning in a word of prayer. Thank you. Brother George, will you dismiss us? And I hope everybody gets to stay with us to go eat lunch and then we'll come right back here after lunch. But brother, you dismiss us, Okay.
1: Joy to the world! The Lord is come. Let earth